For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. We shall see what happens. Got to ring the group. I always love ringing the group. That's always fun. It's always fun. Good afternoon. <laughs> Good afternoon, IQ. How are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you? Pretty good, actually. And Dan, how are you, sir? I'm uh, much better, thank you. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. And uh, we should be joined by Scott Shea here in just a few moments, hopefully. And uh, then we will, and I believe Scott Shea has joined us. Scott, how are I'm you, the- sir? It's early. Yes, I, I figured I would get uh, I would get Dan and IQ and you in here. And uh, by the way, Scott, by you way, have... this is the first time he's early. Yes, this is the first time I'm early. <laughs> it, it, it's a Thanksgiving miracle, uh, okay. or pre-Thanksgiving miracle. We have got a great guest with us today. Scott Shea joins us here on our program. He is the author of a fantastic new book, Conspiracy U, a case study. Shea is co-founder and chairman of Signature Bank, and his essays have appeared in the Wall Street Journal, New York Daily News, among others. And the topic today is why are conspiracy theories so prevalent on college campuses? And we are going to ask our guest today, Scott Shea, author of Conspiracy U, a case study. We are also being joined by our regular panel, IQ Al Rizzoli, and of course, the most dangerous man in radio, as all the guest bookers tell me, the great Dan Perkins. <laughs> so, so Scott. Um, why are conspiracy theories so prevalent on college campuses? Well, it's a real serious problem. And I, that's why I wrote Conspiracy U, because I looked at my alma mater, Northwestern University, and I found professors who are espousing conspiracy theories and teaching them as though they are scholarship. And these conspiracy theories are masquerading them as scholarship. It is, a, it is a function of the declining standards of academia that people who should know better, people with tenure, people with PhDs, are saying things that are unbelievable. So I'll give you, one, I'll give you two quick examples. And I, I focused on anti-Zionist, anti-Israel conspiracy theories as part, but it's much wider than that. So there's one professor at Northwestern University, a professor of electrical engineering, and he uh, espouses a theory that the Holocaust didn't happen, that these crafty Jews spread documents all over Europe to be discovered by a quote-unquote accident, and that all of the testimony at the Nuremberg trials, all the books, that's all bunk. Because 
Jews, Zionists, to use his word, bamboozled, poor, innocent, sweet Nazis who into believing that they committed crimes against humanity as witnesses, as perpetrators, as guards to things they never did and confess to it. You know, ridiculous. He's an example of someone who creates a conspiracy theory. This is Professor Arthur Butts who creates a conspiracy theory that keeps growing to incorporate any facts and falsify them. So, yes, there are lots of documents that prove beyond the shadow of the doubt that there was a Holocaust that was uh, of the Jews. Six, that six million or so people were killed, including my many, much of my family. Um, and yet, he takes all those facts and say that's just part of the conspiracy theory. On the other side, you have several professors I talked to who, and so just to sum up. Professor Butts thinks the Jews are conspiring against all white people. And on the other side, you have somebody like a Professor Stephen Thrasher, who writes things where um, Jews are somehow conspiring, Zionists, Israel are somehow conspiring against all people of color, and conspiring with police departments and the like all over the world to oppress people of color, and using um, territories, Gaza, as a testing ground for technologies. You have a professor like Jasper Puar, who says, well, it, it, it apparently Israel has a, takes a good view toward the LGBTQ community, so that all must be pinkwashing. In other words, any positive fact in a conspiracy theory is subsumed by saying that the conspirators are just so crafty. And what scholars are supposed to do is uncover real facts, not make them up or create conspiracies to meet their political narrative. And that's a real problem. It's a serious problem for society. So, Dan, listening to all this, what, what do you have for Scott? Oh, I got a lot of stuff to unpack for Scott. Um, <laughs> first of all, I would like to get a historical perspective from Scott. The the advent of trying to move conspiracy theory into the main line of college credit courses, education. How long has that been around? So it's been around for decades, but it's growing. And I'll tell you the interesting thing that I found in my research. First of all, Anytime anybody tries to influence the thinking of society, they generally try to start with university. So the Soviet Union, a lot of the anti-Zionist conspiracy theories on the far left are direct almost quotes from Soviet-era conspiracy theories. And now with the opening of the Soviet archives, we know we're, we're, we're purposely made up. And also some of the stuff that Professor Butts writes on the far right directly comes from Mein Kampf and other Nazi documents. Um, it's just remarkable. So what's happened in the last 20 years is that there used to be academic standards whereby if you have a theory 
people keep throwing facts at it. And if the theory stands up to the facts, it can live another day. Now you have a separate situation. You have a totally reverse situation where theories negate facts and people just expand the theories around the facts. One academic who I talked to, she said that she doesn't really like facts so much because facts are messy, whereas theory is pure. And that's what's happening. It's a fundamental corruption of academic standards. And we need, we really desperately need academia to be about facts and not about theory. So let me, let me, I got two more questions that are related to each other. Let's stay on the same conversation we're having for, for my next question. If you had to guess in terms of percentage, how much of the conspiracy theory that you have come across revolves around the activities of Jews? So it's interesting. I did a review of the research on conspiracy theories, and I go into it a little bit in Conspiracy U. And the leading scholars of conspiracy theories who went through and just are looked, looked at just about all conspiracy theories, whether it be the Denver Airport, the QAnon, the Illuminata, the, the conspiracy theories going back to the French Revolution, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, they were struck that the overwhelming majority of conspiracy theories have seemed to have something to do with Jews, whether it's George Soros or the Rothschilds or the this one or the that one, space lasers and in, in space lasers. They, uh, uh, it's disproportionate and bizarre. I, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised at the number. Were you? I was I, I I was surprised that it was so ubiquitous. I was really surprised. I'll tell you another number that surprised me. I and I was floored when I first looked at this number and I actually went into detail on the study because I almost couldn't believe it. Eleven percent of people in the United States think that the Jews caused the Holocaust. And fifteen percent agree with Butts that it was either made up mostly or a myth or grossly exaggerated. And I'm I'm blown away that that one out of ten or one out of one out of seven people could believe such stuff in the United States I, of America. I I can uh, I can relate to that. Uh, my mother in law who is uh, from her her family history is from Germany. And in her late seventies we were having a conversation, and she sh literally shocked my wife, her daughter, when she said she didn't believe that the Holocaust actually took place. Oh my gosh! And and, and my my wife didn't know what to say because her mother, all of her life, she thought was a, a very intelligent, very learned woman. Uh, where this came from, and she didn't know what to say. But I want to move on because we have a limited amount of time. So I, I took you down this path because I wanted to get a sense from you of what would be the best way to, to, to phrase my question. My question is, we are dealing with the most 
diabolical uh, conspiracy theory, I think, in the history of our country called critical race theory, which originated from the college and universities. Mm -hmm. And it's destroying our economy and our country. More so than any other any any other conspiracy theory. So let me say this, in 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 regard to that. So in the book, and we don't have time in a few seconds. I actually go through the lineage of critical race theory, and I would say even critical race theory itself, from its original or from its origins, has been. Uh, perverted by academia today, it was it wasn't as bad as it is today, and yet academia is 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 politicizing it and using it for what Herbert Marcuse uh, he called repressive tolerance. In other words, we only tolerate people otherwise if they agree with us. And but critical race theory is at least a theory. Um, that theoretically can be falsifiable, but it's grown from its original from its original days. But it has grown again to incorporate any bad facts and just expand around it. So I actually go into. I think the thing that we need to revert to in academia is again to where facts can disprove theory and where the theory doesn't become ideology and where students aren't taught what to think. And that is the danger of critical race theory because people are taught what to think, not to question the theory. And, 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 and it is, it, it is that the whole concept of theories being able to negate facts is really dangerous everywhere, everywhere. I mean, for example, I'll give you one example again. I don't want to call it benign, but the the there was a theory that the that the COVID nineteen virus escaped from a lab. That should be testable, or at least you come to a point where you don't know if it's correct or incorrect. But to right. just say ideologically that it can't be correct is again a theory negating facts. Theories need to be susceptible to being disproved. And we've created a sense on campus where you are not only allowed not to try to disprove a theory, but you're but if you try to do so, somehow you are evil. Because under the theory, you need to be repressed, as Herbert Mercuse said, under critical race theory. So so the the reason again I've I I I've Thank you so much for giving us the time and, and taking the time on critical race theory. But I want to I, I want to move on because I think you're you set the table very well for my next question. I have grave concern that our institutions of quote higher learning, which are responsible for training the next generation of classroom teachers are destroying our public school system because we are graduating teachers who are more into conspiracy than they are in the basic fundamentals of education. 
and that's permeating our school systems in the United States today. So that's why I look, I have a full-time day job and that's why I spent just about two years of all of my discretionary, all of my discretionary free time writing this, researching and then writing the book. Because I think this is a issue that could imperil civil society. When everybody has their own conspiracy theory, we just, we just retreat into warring tribes. And that's really bad. We could be doing a, you know, entering a civil war light at some point. So, but I, what I needed to do, and what I think it's important for people to do, and the reason I wrote Conspiracy U, is because people aren't, you need to arm, you need to be armed with the facts. And so what I wanted to do was to give people chapter and verse of here is what academics are saying. Here is why it is crazy. Here are theories that just cannot stand facts but yet are taught as though they are. And I wanted to write this because I, it's, it's, critic, I, it's critical, no pun intended, the critical race theory. It's critical, it's important, it's vital that we just don't say what you said, but we said, here are the goods. Here's how to, here's the proof. Here's what people are saying and here is reality. And, I, and, and it hasn't really been done to academics. Academics mostly write this stuff. They don't actually face their own criticism. So that is why, so I totally get what you're saying because I've literally devoted two years to, 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 to being, to uncovering it. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim, go ahead, Dan. I got to have this guy on my other show. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a show nationally syndicated called Black and White, and we're trying to create a civil, honest discussion of Americans on what are the real issues. And one of the critical, one of the areas that we spend a lot of time talking about is the abuse of the education system in trying to teach critical race theory to children as, as down to the first grade, and that we're trying to destroy generation upon generations of of young people. So I would. After we get off the show, I'll have Jen send me your contact information, and I'll be in touch with you within a day about when you can come on my show. Well, that'll be a pleasure because I think I think that separating people into racial constructs as opposed to being individuals is a serious problem. I actually talk about that a little bit in the book because it's dehumanizing. I mean, we all are individuals. We, we, we need to not be viewed just through a particular grid. So when you, when uh, I haven't read your book, obviously, I, I just heard about you today when Jim introduced you. Have you done anything in conspiracy relative to law enforcement in the United States? Well, I, I only segued in there because one of the great conspiracy theories that several of the people here um, indicate, several of the professors, is they have this view that Jews, Zionists, Israelis are conspiring with police departments across the country to use techniques that are tried out in Gaza and 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 then and then ruthlessly and mercilessly used on minorities here. 
and I tracked down one of them. There is, for example, a theory that a conspiracy theory that somehow that the George Floyd killing was due to Israel. And so I track it. I didn't track it down. Actually, a local Minneapolis um, media outlet tracked it down, who certainly, I, I, I think, went at it with no preconceptions. And then when you get into it, you find there is literally nothing there. It is people making stuff up. But then in California, hundreds of student groups and, and, and academic organizations signed up for this conspiracy theory as though we're truth and tried to get a resolution through the University of California. So somebody says something and then it becomes a, a, a fact, quote unquote, and then people try to have repercussions again, you know, use repercussions against it. And again, strangely, it links with no facts whatsoever, entirely made up, Israel and Jews to the Minneapolis Police Department. I mean, it was so crazy. It's ridiculous. But we, we, we experienced under the prior to the President Trump's election as president and during his presidency, we saw at least and I, I believe it to be true, but I don't know that it's I, I can point to anything that says it's true. But I happen to believe that the. The inability of the news media to abandon its responsibilities as the th as the fourth estate, as the framers thought it should be, the the idea of Donald Trump talking about this stuff being fake news. You're talking about fake conspiracy, but aren't they one and the same? Well, no, I don't think so. I think fake conspiracy theories end up being even more convoluted and complicated than um, than than what you're talking about. In that, um, anybody can throw a false fact out or even report a false fact, but then to have a whole theory of how a people or a group are somehow a moneyed group, evilly conspiring against others, is actually bigger. Now. There are there that you can say what what though you can say that false or fake news is a symptom, I think, of conspiracy theories because people then believe facts that fit the theory but actually aren't facts. So I would right. put conspiracy theories above above. Um, and, and that's the way, by the way, historically, if you look at um, anything from Tsarist Russia to pre-World War II, to not just Germany, but all of Europe, that's the way it worked. People had the conspiracy theories, and then they reported news, quote-unquote, fake news, false news, lies that fit the theory, but had nothing to do with what was actually happening. Right. So is, is this, since we've got our friend IQ on the here, and he's from— Europe and Asia, um, um, is this uniquely American or is this proliferating all over the world? It is sadly proliferating um, not all over the world, but in many places. I mean, it's certainly proliferating in, in large swaths of the world. Um, and it's really sad because it, it it threatens, I mean, it, it threatens to destabilize societies, and it has. I mean, we saw it in Europe. 
in Europe there were conspiracy theories again about the Jews that were as, that were as plentiful as Indo-European languages. And that led to really, really bad stuff for Europe. And lots of, and 75 million people dead. IQ, are you there? I'm waiting for you to finish so I can go in. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. That's okay. Uh, Mr. Go ahead, question. Did you ever point out that there are only 0.2% bloody Jews in the world? Zero. Yeah. 0.2%. And yet these Jews, these Jews are accused of simultaneously being Zionists, communists, capitalists, fascists, racists, inferior. Simultaneously, they are accused of all of these contradictions. 0.2% of humanity control the economies of the world. They are communists, they are fascists, they are Nazis, and they are capitalists. But something else you've got to add, please. IQ, what's happening IQ. in Europe, what's yeah. happening in Europe and America is Islam. People keep missing this. You have to be politically correct in America. I don't have to be politically correct anywhere. Islam is my subject. Muslims hate Jews as much as they hate Christians, Buddhists, and Hindus. But it's more prominent. Why? Because the Quran, Muhammad, in his Quran, hates Jews. He hated Jews because they were the only ones in Arabia who could point out that every verse in the Quran is corrupt, is ungodly, that Muhammad was a charlatan. That's why he got rid of them. Then he got rid of the Christians. It is so important. People don't, they, you, you always miss this. What you have in Minnesota, what you have in Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, it's not, by the way, conspiracy theories have got nothing to do with education or the level of education of the, or intelligence. It is totally irrational. It's hatred. Jew hatred is endemic into two groups of people. Both James knows about it, because I told him about it, and also Dan. Only two groups of hate, people hate Jews. Christians, the clergy, and Muslims. Nobody else hates Jews. Buddhists don't hate Jews. Hindus don't hate Jews. Atheists don't hate Jews. Only two religious groups. In Islam, it's to do with the Quran. In Christianity, to do with the Catholic Church to start with. These are facts. You were telling me, you were saying that you deal with facts. I will give you facts from here to eternity. Will anybody listen is another story. What you have in America today is an education system which is completely corrupt. There is no way in hell that you, Americans, are going to stand up to China. Because you are woke now. Your education system was compromised, as you said, decades of education. Decades of indoctrination by clueless university professors. How they became professors in the first place is another story. I mean, I watched this, I've been watching this for the last 30 years. I'm looking at America for the last 30 years. I've been discussing this subject for the last 14 years. You have a situation in America today which is completely opposite to your constitution. And they're getting away with it. 
The professors are getting away with it. Academia is getting with this, and the news media are getting away with it. What do you say? Well, uh, you said a lot. Um, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I had seven um, minutes. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I can't say I agree with it all. Um, I definitely um, know people. Uh, I know Christian personally. Know Christian and Muslims who I consider friends. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to go on board there, but I will say this, that, um, you're hundred percent right. Just to go to your, your first points, um, the idea that 0.2% of the people somehow control everything that, uh, if you go to the first page of a website, if you go to the first page on at least Google searches of Jews controlling cent Jews and central banks, you'd see the Jews, according to these conspiracy theories, control the central bank of Saudi Arabia. Well, well, Scott, I, I know that you've got to go, my friend. Um, Scott's book is Conspiracy You, a case study. And um, Scott, thanks for being with us and uh, appreciate the time my friend yep thank you for having me and you can find conspiracy you a case study anywhere on amazon barnes and noble and at uh, anywhere quality books are sold fantastic fantastic well thank you scott there goes scott shea and uh we have got our uh second guest for the uh for the panel we have josh bernstein with us today and of course dan perkins joins us and iq al rizzoli and um so dan uh, I'm going to start with you. Throw out the first topic here, and uh, we will uh, we'll have everybody bat this thing around. What, what, what do you have for us, Dan? What I have for you today is the, the absurdity of the Biden administration trying to believe that it can coerce American people into believing that releasing oil from the strategic reserve will solve the problem of high gasoline prices. Let me give you some numbers. Okay. Because I am a numbers guy. <laughs> right now, the strategic reserve has about 600 million barrels of oil. Yes. Every day, the United States consumes slightly less than 14 million barrels of oil. The amount of oil that the president has said he's going to release from the strategic reserve to bring down gas prices is four days. Four days of usage is what he's going to release. I take you back in time to James Earl Carter when the Saudis cut down on the supply of crude oil, we had at that time 50 million barrels in the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And the decision was made by the Congress, supported by the president, to begin to expand it because America needed to have, from a strategic and a tactical standpoint, for national security, needed to have a much larger reserve of crude oil. So here we are. Inflation is now 
at the beginning of Joe Biden's term, we're about the same level now, and we went much, much higher. And we've now got this issue that the way the Biden administration is responding to the complaints of the constituents to three and a half dollars a gallon for gasoline, or as I heard last night, seven dollars a gallon in some places in the United States. We're going to release about four days worth of oil from the Strategic Reserve. And not and high enough. Yeah. Not high enough. Not even close. I want right. to see ten dollars a gallon or twelve dollars a gallon two weeks before the midterm elections. That's what I want. It will I happen. No Don't worry. It. it will happen. Don't worry about it. Let me let me give you another number, Jim. Okay. When when Joe Biden won the presidential election, the price she didn't of 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 a barrel of crude oil rose to about a week ago 127%. Yes. That's just the price of the crude product. Now, refined product meaning gasoline at the pump in that same period of time only went up, and I, I know that sounds terrible to say it that way, but it, the price increase was 53%, which tells wow. me that there's a lot more price increases coming in the pipeline because the strategic release is not going to dampen prices, and there's a lot of a lot of of price increases that haven't been reflected yet in the end products. The other thing is natural gas is has moved extremely high and if you asked a hundred people out of your audience jim if if you talk about natural gas people would say well that's what we use to heat our home what most americans don't realize that over a thousand products require natural gas to be manufactured so Natural gas is not just home heating, it's other things, as, as is crude oil. It's more than just gasoline or diesel fuel. So we don't understand yet how bad the inflation rate is. I was talking to a customer yesterday, Jim, a client, and he said, where should I put my money? I'm concerned about inflation and I'm concerned about uh, the stock market is really high. Where should I put my money? I said, the place to put your money where you're going to get the biggest return you've ever seen is in 90-day Treasury bills. And he said to me, you're crazy. I said, listen, when the Federal Reserve was formed, it, had, it was given two missions, maximize employment, minimize inflation. And since the Federal Reserve has been around, its job has been to control inflation. They control inflation by increasing interest rates. Okay. They make money more expensive to borrow to try and slow down the economy. So right now, the yield and, and the yield on the 90-day Treasury bill, the real return adjusted for inflation, should be zero. The, yes. real, the yield on the 90-day Treasury bill is five basis points. Inflation is 6.2, <laughs> which means... Okay. If they if they bring it to the to the real return of yes. of zero, thirteen hundred percent return. 
in a 90-day treasury bill. Okay, so so uh, so Josh Bernstein, what 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 do you uh, what do you think of Dan's uh, explanation there and and everything? Well, I think when we went from being energy independent to now energy dependent in less than a year's worth of time, uh, clearly it shows a lack of leadership. And again, those are the results of a stolen election. So I think that uh, if he's trying to win the Jimmy Carter sweepstakes, uh, he's certainly doing a very good job of it. Um, he's incompetent, but again, I don't really think this is incompetency. I think this is definitely done on purpose. This is purposeful uh, destruction of our economy, destruction of the oil reserves. And as he pointed out, four days worth isn't going to do much. Um, You know, I hope things are low for a while. And then, as I've said before, and I have no problem saying this, and it may be partisan, it may be political, but I want to see them out and I want to see them blocked for the next two years. And I want to see Republicans actually not just run on, um, they're so bad, so vote for us, because we're not as bad. Yeah. I want to see them take some pretty bold moves. I want to see a contract from big government for 2022. Uh, I want to see signatures on a, uh, you know, on a pledge to hold big pharma accountable to uh, get rid of the uh, NVIA, which is the National Vaccine in- Industry Court, which basically gives carte blanche and uh, criminal and civil liability immunity to the big pharma companies. And that's why they're able to operate in the capacity in which they are. Um, I want to see them you know, have a, uh, a parental bill of rights at the federal level. I want to see them have um, you know, much stricter uh, voter ID laws. And so there's so many things that Republicans could do to not just say, hey, vote for us because we're not as bad as the other guys. Yeah. They could actually get people excited to come out and vote for them uh, in the 2022 midterm. So for me, I don't want to just see Newt Gingrich's numbers of 40 or 50 seats. Uh-uh. I want to see 100 seats. And I clearly think that we can get to 100 seats, and I think we might even be able to get to eight seats in the Senate. But we have to give the American people something and give them something to want to go out there and canvas and and make phone calls and knock on doors and do all those things. I do believe we're going to be okay in the midterms, and the problem is, is that most Republicans— they understand that as well. And that's why they're afraid of their own shadow. They're afraid of taking bold um, you know, positions because they just want to lay low and say, look, the Democrats are so bad, the American people don't want to continue to suffer, so they're going to vote for us and we're not going to do anything for the next two years. That's what I don't want to see happen. Um, but as far as the oil reserves and all that, as I've said before, I hope gasoline goes up to 10 to $12 a gallon two weeks before the midterm election, because I want to make sure that the American people suffer in the very short term enough that they are motivated to go out there and change their government. Dan, I want to ask you a question. Okay, yeah, I want to ahead, ask Dan. a question. Okay, now, I, I pretty much agree with most of what, what you're saying. Sure. But let me tell you what I think 
is a better issue to appeal to the vast majority of Americans than the price of gasoline at the pump. That is all but one Democratic congressman voted for the Biden Build Back Better program. And I don't care whether it's 2,000, 3,000, 10,000 pages. I don't really care. I really care about one provision. If I am a legitimate American citizen, the idea that the Democratic Party would vote to sanction a payment of $450,000 to illegal immigrants who came into this country in 2018. I don't think that the American people, regardless of their income stream, are going to be thrilled with the idea that people who came into this country illegally and are going to be awarded 450000 potentially up to a million dollars for a family of four, a million dollars for crossing the border illegally into the United States. I think there are more people who will be angry at that, especially if this economy starts to go south. And if we get $10 a gallon of gasoline, the, the middle class and the poor are going to be the ones that are going to pay for it. And it's the Democrats who passed the legislation in the House and have thrown it to the Senate. And if the Democrats in the Senate voted and no Republicans vote for it, then it's purely the campaign issue for the midterms and for the election, your government gave away $450,000 to thousands of illegal immigrants who came into this country. I agree with you. I think that's an excellent point that you made. And the question is, are the bought and paid for rhino establishment Republicans that want open borders and are beholden to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce going to be tough enough to stand up and say, we're going to be against that. Um, I don't know, to be quite honest. Um, I think that, you know, when you see 13 members of the Republican, you know, party voting for the first trillion or $2 trillion monstrosity, um, you know, I don't know if they would do that. So I think what collectively makes the most sense is an anti an anti-vaccine mandate from the federal level. In other words, I think if they ran on something that says, if you elect us, we will make sure that we pass a bill that you can never be mandated, any businesses or individual can be mandated to have a vaccine. Because I think that that cuts along party lines, uh, number one. And number two, if you take that into consideration, that is something that would motivate a lot of people, Democrats included, and independents. And so I think that there's many more people that are against vaccines than that are for vaccines. And obviously, as more and more of the information comes out, we are literally staring down a pandemic of the vaccinated and not the unvaccinated. And I think, you know, with what's going on, in Australia, what's going on in Austria, what's going on in other parts of the of the world, and how they are draconianly taking down 
freedom and and reinstalling this tyrannical medical tyranny across the globe i think the american people are pretty frightened about that and they don't want to see you know america become the next australia or or austria or or some of these other countries so i think there's a lot i really do i think there's a ton that we can vote on but the 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 part that worries me is obviously you know Cousin Vito is still going to be sitting there for the next two years. And how do you destroy Cousin Vito? Well, you got to have two-thirds of a majority in order to do it. So that's why I keep saying the Republicans can't just sit back and just hope and pray and say, hey, vote for us because we're not as bad as the other guys. They need to win and win big and win big enough to override the vetoes. And if they're going to pass this type of legislation and they're going to run on it and vote on it, then they have got to uh, be able to have two-thirds of a majority in order to basically stop the out-of-control spending, the tyrannical, fraudulent government for the next two years. I agree. I think there's also another issue, uh, and I've written about it. Um, not, not, I'm not the only one. A lot of people have. Uh, I, and I want to give you a twist on it. That's critical race theory. Yes. Crit- critical race theory has energized moms and dads to get control of their child's education. However, what's different about this? It isn't just Republican women. It's Republicans, Democrats, and independent parents who want the best education for their children. So this particular issue crosses all party lines and aligns all parents who want the best education for their children to a common theme, which which if the Republicans will do so and use it as one of the areas they want to campaign on, can bring a lot of independents and Democrats to the Republican Party and give you the the big the big surplus you want. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I would take it a step further and you know have a parental bill of rights at the federal level that basically allows parents to override with a 51% majority vote, school districts and curriculum that they don't want their children to be taught. And it should Mm -hmm. be able to override the unions and anyone else that's teaching things against the will of the parents. I think that's really, really important. And again, these are some of the things that I have thought of. I've done shows on this. I've put out strategy pieces in the last week or so on some of these different things. Um, I want to see, obviously, voter ID man- mandatory in, in all 50 states. But I'd also like to see two forms of identification, and it's actually pretty simple to do so. Certainly where I live, you have a voter identification card. I know that maybe not all states have that. Most of them do. And what's missing on a voter identification card? A picture. And that picture should match the picture on your driver's license. Hence, there's why you would have two forms of identification. Most people like myself and many others, we carry our voter identification card in our wallets. It's just part of our, you know, our, our everyday thing that we have in there. You know, we only use it a couple of times, you know, once a year or whatever, once every two years, every four years, but it's still there. So it would be an easy thing to do to put a photo ID on a voter registration affiliation card. And then of course, everyone's got a driver's license, right? So there's your two forms of identification that I've been talking about. And I think it's things like that. We've got to eliminate mail-in voting, uh, except for the military and 
not for military that are here, military that are out of the country. So if you're a military veteran and you live here, there's no reason you should have mail-in voting. If you're an elderly person over the age of 65 and you are indefinitely confirmed, uh, infirmed, then yeah, you know, you should be able to do it. But it's like this old adage, anytime you give the left an inch, they're going to take a mile. And so what they did for many years is they opened up mail-in voting. They opened up absentee ballot voting and all of these different things. And of course, the left didn't want to use it the way it was supposed to be used. They exacerbated the problem. They took advantage of the problem. And then they turned it into what we saw in 2020. I mean, you literally had left-wing extremist judges saying because everybody was on lockdown in Wisconsin, everyone is considered to be indefinitely confined. I mean, that's just ridiculous, the types of you know things that they have come up with. So I really want to see a tightening of the, uh, the voter integrity laws in this country, and I'd love to see it at a federal level as well. IQ. IQ, yes, do you have anything? I agree with everything you said. In fact, the Republican Party today, they have a list of at least 15 commandments, 15 articles of faith. All of them will destroy the opposition. And you are right, Josh. You don't want them to say we are better than the other one. You have to completely annihilate the other side. Correct. 100% I agree with you and CRT and the inflation. And three months ago, when the pr price of gas in America was $3, I said it would go to 10, and God willing, it will go to 10. I'm not being spiteful. I'm being realistic. And as right. you said, unless the American people get hurt, they exactly. are not going to wake up. Exactly. And, and the strategic and, you know, reserve, by the way, Trump filled up the strategic reserve, I think, to a level of 90%. And the strategic reserve is supposed to be for literally strategic purposes. If there is an oil problem, if there is a war, you need this to conduct a war. If you use it for uh, economic reasons, just to uh, reduce the level of the price, then you are committing a crime against the security of America. You agree, Dan? Yes, sir, I do. I, I just no think question that, about it. Yeah, we're we're in a situation IQ where where um, the Democrats. I, I did a recent article which I think I sent to you. Why is it that Joe Biden hates America so much? Because if you look at what he's doing, he's not doing it for the vast majority of the American people. He's he's doing something that's 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 crazy, and um, and um, he won't take questions. He hides behind uh, his people. Uh, he's not the kind of president that not somebody president. my age, my my age, I've never seen a president behave this way before. Dan, and, I, he's an imposter. He's sorry, a president. I, I remember correctly, he's the, the Biden a, tendency. A, somebody showed a clip of uh, Biden saying that the white people in America should be over, uh, overthrown by immigration. There is. It's on YouTube. I think it was in about three, four, five well, years ago. IQ, did you hear what's happening in Canada? The teachers union in Ontario, Canada, yeah, has yeah, now voted, and it's passed in Canada, 
to consider minorities in a weighted election having more of a vote than white than white yes, people. I know. I heard that I just know. happened today. Yeah, and it's so, passing. <laughs> The left is going to be like, wow, that's a great idea in Canada. Let's do that here. I mean, we, we've got, uh, you know, a major problem with the fact that this election was stolen. And if we don't overturn this somehow and we have to keep fighting to do it, uh, what's going to happen next? I mean, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's why if they don't have the testicular fortitude to do what is the right thing to do, then we need to have a robust victory in 2022 and, and not at a, you know, 60 or 70 feet, 60 or 70 seat majority. That's garbage. That's failure in my book. If we win 70 seats, that's a failure by the Republican Party. Complete failure. And I'll tell you the reason why. 54 seats were won in 1994 with the contract with America with Newt Gingrich. 54 seats in 1994. There was no major wars going on. There was no crazy things going on. Fast forward to 2010 during the uh, Obamacare or the Unaffordable Careless Act that was passed in the middle of the night with the Louisiana Purchase and the you know, the Cornhusker kickback and people switching parties like vampires in the middle of the night. We got to pass it to find out what's in it. You know, lots of those people lost their their uh, their positions in, in Congress after passing that. And then, of course, the Supreme Court upholding it because of John G. Roberts' uh, illegal adoptions because he was threatened with that information to come out. I've talked about that at nauseum. But even in 2010, they won 63 seats. So to say, with everything going on right now, with CRT, with the fall of Afghanistan into Talibanistan, leaving Americans to die, high gas prices, the Keystone Pipeline, uh, the first uh, trillion-dollar bill that they just passed, this Build Back Better garbage. I mean, all the things that they're doing, the vaccine mandates, I can't see for the life of me how we can't win at least a minimum of 86 seats in the House. A minimum. Anything less than 86 seats in the House is a complete failure in my book with how bad things are right now. You're absolutely right. And the only way to do that, again, the only way to do that is to be bold, is to be brave, and is to put out an agenda that says, if you elect us, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of vaccine mandates. We're going to get rid of CRT. Um, We're going to, you know, give uh, integrity to the voting process. Um, You know, we're going to, hell, run on, you know, uh, the federal level of term limits. I mean, these are the things that the American people want. And if if we're brave enough to do that, we cannot just win, but absolutely win big. And I think the Republican strategy right now is do nothing, say nothing, uh, be as quiet as a church mouse, and let the Democrats implode, and we'll just pick up the pieces. And that's the yep. wrong strategy for the for the Republican Party. I agree. Well, the trouble is, do you have enough people with the balls? Well, that's, <laughs> well, the that's what I was getting. Do they have the say. balls to do it? <laughs> and yet, it's so simple. It's very Actually, simple. It is so simple. It's unbelievably simple. It's all there for the taking. Right. Without exactly. any risk, zero risk. This is remarkable. But, it is zero risk. 
Right. But I, I, I suggest I, I have to I have to say this. Um, we have tens of millions of Americans who have been intimidated by the left to surrender their freedom of speech. Yep. And, and they, they, well, I, I see, but you're one. Yeah, you're I'm, right. talking about, I'm talking about tens of millions of people who would have liked to have said something, but because of the the persecution of people who stood up and tried to say something and being beaten down and attacked and people get fired. Uh, millions of Americans agree with what you're saying, Joss, but they can't say it publicly because they're afraid to speak their mind. We have to encourage people to exercise their freedom of speech, the First Amendment to the Constitution. With, with all your respect, although they are afraid, we have to encourage them to vote against the other people. That's, right. mm-hmm. and that's all they have to do. Okay, so they are afraid to say whatever they have on their mind. I agree with them, up to a point, obviously. But when it comes to the crunch, when they have to come to vote, then they should vote with the Republicans. And Republicans should be working the polls. They should be the election watchers. They Absolutely. should be the ones... Yeah. that are in the swing states and are being hired. Uh, as a matter of fact, as soon as January rolls around, assuming we de- defeat this horrific $4 trillion, you know, prize-winning liberal, whatever you want to call it, wish list, okay, that they're trying to pass, you know, with the Equality Act or the Unequality Act and, of course, H.R. 1 and all these other horrible things, if we defeat that, and I believe we will, we defeat that. Now they haven't passed anything. When they come back from the break, they're going to be in, quote, campaign mode, which means that from that point on, they're not going to really look to try to pass anything because they're all going to be in campaign mode. And that's a good thing because while they're campaigning, they're not destroying America in the process. So I think that once we are able to do that and defeat that, then it's a whole new ball game, And that's when we need to make sure that MAGA-supporting America Firsters are getting jobs working for their local elections, their county elections, and their state elections. And they are the ones, not the AL, you know, ACLU, not the union thugs that hired all these people to help steal the election. We cannot sit back and say, oh, Trump's economy is amazing. Everything's doing great. We're amazing. We're doing, you know, fantastic. We're just going to sit back and wait for our landslide. Well, guess what? We won a landslide and they denied us from that landslide. Yes. And how many times... And Jiggy, you would know, how many times did I have banners up that said lawyers for Trump? How many times did I say it's Trump or death? Oh, yeah. How many times did I mean? You were beating that drum, baby. Year (laughs) for the election because I knew what they were going to do. And you would think that someone would have the brains to go, gee, they're running a 79-year-old with stage 3 dementia who hasn't left his house, calls in a lid every single day at 4 p.m. and can't draw a crowd. He couldn't fill a phone booth filled with free Obama phones, but yet somehow he's going to get 83 million votes? Come on. How could the Trump campaign not have realized that the fix was in and do something about it? It's so frustrating and angry and makes me so angry knowing that we had a historic election with a president who won re-election in a landslide, and yet he was denied 
his historic landslide and being able to serve. And every single American should be pissed off about that that voted for the man and do something about it. We are. <laughs> There's IQ. Anyway, <laughs> right, right, right on cue. There's IQ. It happens. Well, uh, let's start with Dan. Um, Dan, how do we get in touch with you and, and everything? Well, uh, my main website is danperkins.guru, and I have uh, <clears throat> songs and stories for soldiers.us, which is our nonprofit to help veterans with. PTSD and and suicide prevention and and uh, sleep disorders, um, but uh, we're it's the time of year. This is the fifth year for the songs and stories for soldiers drive for shoes and socks for homeless veterans. This is our fifth year doing this, and anybody in the country can go to blacks or can go to. Um, Songs and Stories for Soldiers. Us. Yep. Learn about the program, and they can send us shoes and socks. Uh, and if they're an Amazon member, Amazon Prime, they can ship it to us for free. So go to uh, Songs and Stories for Soldiers. Us. Look for the shoe, uh, shoes and socks. The other thing is Black and White Network. Uh, we got our numbers for the month of. Uh, October 15th and November 15th, 7.4 million listeners for wow. the month. That's pretty impressive, my friend. That's very good. And those are... Dan, Dan I actually advertised the uh, the songs for soldiers uh, on my on my own show, on the banner. So it's good yeah. that you're doing it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate it. So, Josh... Uh, how do we get in touch with you? Because you're you're being written about by Newsweek and all sorts of other people that uh, that don't like you very well. <laughs> yeah, hey, what, you know I have a famous quote in A to Z quotes, and that quote is, "I want to be loved by millions or hated by the same amount. Who wants to be moderately liked and accepted by everyone?" That's actually a famous quote of mine. So uh, <laughs> I do try to live by that. Folks can go to joshbernsteinuncensored.com. Again, joshbernsteinuncensored.com. If it's banned on social media, you'll find it there. Uh, I cover lots of stories that are banned from social media. I cover the truth about COVID, the truth about vaccines, CRT, the election fraud, you name it, I cover it all. Uh, Actually, today I'm getting ready to put up uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko's interview uh, which is phenomenal, and he talks about quercetin. He talks about life-saving, over-the-counter medications and vitamins and minerals that people can use to prevent getting uh, COVID, or even if you have ha- had it, then just preventive medicine to keep you healthy. And he actually says in the interview that he's been put on an international global list of 250 people, and he said he's up wow. at the top of that list, maybe not number one, but he's in the top percent of that list, for assassination Holy and as i've smokes. said before i do believe big pharma uh hires uh ready 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 hitmen to kill people that go against you know big pharma and some of the things that they you know promote because this guy is all about saving people's lives he's all about going against big pharma and uh we should all say a prayer for him number one and uh number two 
Check it out on joshbernsteinuncensored.com. To the rest of you, have a happy and healthy Thanksgiving. God bless. Yes. Uh, IQ, round us out here today, my friend. Well, it was a great show. That's for sure. Listen, all you need to know about Islam and all you want to know about everything that's happening in the world, just Google Al Rasuli, A-L-R-A-S-S-O-L-I. And you don't have to pay a penny for it. <laughs> it's all free of charge. Go for it. Well, God bless I... you all and have a nice Thanksgiving and safe one, I hope. Yes, and I will talk to everybody next Tuesday. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Bye. Send me a copy. I'll pop this up for tomorrow. Thanksgiving special, Jiggy. I will definitely do that here in just a few seconds. All right. God bless everybody. There he goes. That is Josh Bernstein. And uh, that wraps it up here. You can get a hold of us online at JiggyJaguar.com. And also, you can find us on the Twitter machine as well. And our app is available in both the app stores, and we will indeed see you next time. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.